Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will hey, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin. So as we go through the Psalms, one of the things I'm noticing, there are going to be some repeated themes from Psalm to Psalm to Psalm. You know, even in nine psalms, I think we're already seeing some recurring themes. And I want to talk about one of those today. Okay. I think it's important in Psalm 9. I want to talk about God as the righteous judge. We have talked about that a little bit already, haven't we? I I think we see these repeated themes because God is trying to get a message across. I think Mm -hmm. it's important. So I'm going to read today. We got a... We got an email from one of our faithful listeners, really appreciate this, that recommended a couple of different Bible translations. And so I'm going to I'm gonna read from one of those today, the CSB. I believe that stands for Christian Standard Bible. And we do read those emails, so send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Yeah. I will thank the Lord with all my heart. I will declare all your wondrous works. I will rejoice and boast about you. I will sing about your name, Most High. When my enemies retreat, they stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my just cause. You are seated on your throne as a righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have erased their name forever and ever. The enemy has come to eternal ruin. You have uprooted the cities, and the very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for judgment, and he judges the world with righteousness. He executes judgment on the nations with fairness. The Lord is a refuge for the persecuted, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Lord. Sing to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Proclaim his deeds among the nations. For the one who seeks an accounting for bloodshed remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the oppressed. Be gracious to me, O Lord. Consider my affliction at the hands of those who hate me. Lift me up from the gates of death so that I may declare all your praises. I will rejoice in your salvation within the gates of daughter Zion. The nations have fallen into the pit they made. Their foot is caught in the net they have concealed. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed justice, snaring the wicked by the work of their hands. The wicked will return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy will not always be forgotten. The hope of the pressed will not perish forever. Rise up, Lord. Do not let mere humans prevail. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Put terror in them, Lord. Let the nations know they are only humans. CSB. I like that. I like that. You know, just following through and just hearing a little different uh, variation on some of the phrases. Yeah. Um, So in this idea that God is the righteous judge, I guess our feeling about that, our perspective on that, um, really, really is probably driven by, um, do we identify with the oppressed and the forsaken and the poor, uh, or we don't? Because if we are the oppressed and the forsaken and the poor, then what we, poor, what we need is a judge. What we need is an advocate. What we need is deliverance. And we are so thankful to have God who's there. Hmm. Uh, but if, if we don't identify with that, especially... Um, Maybe we look at this God who represents himself as an avenger and a judge as really kind of a frightening prospect. And 
And why would God be that way? Well, the love of Jesus Christ that has provided forgiveness mm-hmm. and hope, mercy, compassion, is a powerful aspect of God in all his greatness and all his glory, and it has been the dominant theme for the last 2,000 years. Regrettably, and I think we have to be honest about this, just the way you opened that up, talking about if you're one of the oppressed, if you're not, regrettably, there have been too many people forgiven or at least pursuing the forgiveness by the grace of Jesus Christ that have achieved some sort of power in the world and have in turn, instead of living like Jesus, used that to be oppressors themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a sad, sad history among folks who have claimed Jesus as Savior and King who ended up acting just like those God threw off. Yeah. Well, and there was a danger that we see even in the Old Testament times. The warning against the Israelites was, when you go into Canaan land, don't act like the nations of Canaan land. I am casting them off. I am pushing them out. And if you act like they acted, I will do the same to you. And here in America, you know, Christianity has prevailed for 200 years. I'm not saying everybody was a Christian. I'm not saying that America is a Christian nation in any real sense of that phrase. But let's just face it, America for most of its history was friendly with Christianity. And so you could progress and you could climb up the ladder of success in America as a Christian. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, that has produced some of the fallout that comes from people gaining power, that even though they were Christian and believed in Jesus, they allowed the allures of the world and riches and pleasure to distract them. And, and, Sometimes, and I'm going to go ahead and say we, even though I personally don't think I've been involved in as much of that, but we as Christians have sometimes been the perpetrators of that, which may throw off, may throw off this issue in our minds about God as judge, because I think, I think where it puts me, mm-hmm. okay, I, I don't, I always, I do push back at my, the idea of me being an oppressor, but here's what I have to admit. When I start thinking about God as judge, I start remembering the reasons I should be judged, and I don't like it. Of course. In, in our society that would many would say is more secular now or describes itself as post-Christian, one of the knocks on Christianity and the Bible is this idea that there is a God, there is an ultimate authority that will judge us, and some will go to heaven and some will go to hell, and he's going to stand in judgment upon us. And it's, a, you know, how can you believe in a God like that? How can you believe in a God that acted even in temporal judgments recorded in the Bible? You know, he's called a righteous judge here in this Psalm 9. Uh, but I, I think people don't put a whole lot of stock in the righteous part of it. They just say, boy, this, this judging is harsh. Well, I, I wonder for me, and I guess I'm just going to speak for me. I can't speak for anyone else. But I wonder for me if what causes me to push back against that is my absolute fear that if God were to judge righteously, that I would be no exception to the judgment. Mm-hmm. I would be no exception to that. I remember one of the Psalms we read earlier, I think it was Psalm 5, where it talked about how God abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Mm. And when we had those conversations, I remember talking about the fact that what I want to do is highlight I'm not bloodthirsty. Yeah. And ignore the fact that, well, I have been deceitful. Yeah. And so, now, well, well, I was just, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that perhaps for our entertainments, 
Mm. Okay, going to the movies, um, television shows. We love the conflict between good and evil to entertain that. Uh, we uh, and we want the good guy to win. It's it's a good show when it looks like the good guy's not going to win, but then he wins. You know, and uh, and and that there's a sense of justice that comes along with that. That mm-hmm. evil was thwarted and good triumphed in the end. When we come to uh, the God of the Bible, He promises He is going to do that ultimately and forever. Perfect good and holiness wins. Well, and we struggle with God, but we cheer it on in the movies and the songs. I I know. Okay. So here's a place where I remember in my youth, you Mm -hmm. brought up your youth the other day. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I remember one of the first times thinking about these concepts and that was when uh, Kenny Rogers song came out about the coward of the county. Do you know that song or remember that song? I know a couple of Kenny Rogers. I, I don't know that one. Here's the story. There was a young man whose father had died in prison because he got in a fight and killed a man. Mm -hmm. And his father had made him swear, don't ever fight. Don't ever fight. You know, don't be the kind of man I was. And so Tommy grows up and he always turns the other cheek. He never fights. He ends up marrying Becky. And the Gatlin boys come calling and they, they rape her. And the song ends with Tommy making his final choice to fight, and he beats the tar out of them. He just beats them silly, and at the end of the song, I'm just, yes, get them. They deserve it. And I think they do. Though, you know, I think in the in what, what God says, that we are not supposed to take that kind of vengeance. But boy, everybody, the reason that song was so popular back then is because that is exactly how you felt. Justice needed to be served. Judgment needed to be administered because this was an awful, awful sin. Mm -hmm. Then we come to Bible discussions about God judging awful, awful sin and act like he is some type of awful being, mean and, and, and bullying instead of recognizing. I mean, do we really want to serve a God who is not angered by sin? Do we really want to serve a God who will not, when it is best and most appropriate, bring justice about by judging those who have perpetrated injustice? There's certainly, I think, some apologetic value to this to say that to ask the question, where does this innate sense of right and wrong come from? And to uh, you know, whether it's a, a Kenny Rogers song or these uh, television shows that we watch, uh, to say that's wrong, that's bad, and it needs to be corrected. There needs to be right. Now that makes sense if we are created in the image of God and the God of the Bible, because He is just and holy and moral uh but but if that's not our origin that's not where we come from then where do these concepts originate well think about this let's let's drive that apologetic nail home Mm -hmm. because when we have the likes of richard dawkins and hitchens and some of these guys who cast god in this light of being genocidal homicidal maniacal megalomaniacal all of those terms they want to use Are they not saying that if God behaved the way I'm claiming he behaved, he would deserve to be judged? 
They are saying that. That's the argument. <laughs> okay. So so what they're saying is when, when someone commits sin, they should be judged. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when the judge actually rises up and starts judging the sin? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, is the judge who is righteous, and I think that's the key. Yeah, it is. The key is God is the righteous judge. It is. And I, and I think and this ties in full circle to what I was saying earlier. I think one of the reasons why I push back against it and a lot of people push back against it is because none of us want to believe that our sins deserve that kind of judgment. And so we want to be upset at the judge who says, yeah, yeah, they do. Your your sins deserve this, just like everyone else's sins. Yeah. But he is the righteous judge. But But let's not end at that point. He is not only the righteous judge, he is also the merciful father. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about this more tomorrow, but I can't end all this discussion about the righteous judge without bringing it up. And that is, is that while he is the righteous judge, he does not want any of us to die. He does not want any of us to face that judgment. And, and this is the thing. What we push back against so hard is that there's only one thing that will keep us from facing that judgment. And that's just turning to the Lord and saying, you're right about me. You're right about me. I deserve it. And all, the only thing I can do is ask for mercy. Yeah. And he sent Jesus so we could have it. Absolutely. But, but we don't want to do that. To make us to be one of his people. And therein, in Christ, is the answer to the oppressed. And therein, in Christ, is the refuge. Uh, it's there. It's there. Uh, and so we praise God for it. Well, what have you been learning as you read along in Psalm 9? Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Subscribe to the podcast, share it, give us a rating. It helps other people find the podcast. We appreciate so much your listening. We're going to have a word of prayer. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, as we've been talking about the psalm and and thinking about who you are, your own revelation of yourself, that you are a judge, but you are the righteous judge. Thank you for sending Christ to pay for our unrighteousness, that we might be justified through him before you. Father, we understand that in this world we don't always see in our own eyes or to our full understanding justice, but we trust that the day is coming when every wrong will be righted. We pray in that day that we are found in Christ and in your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. It could be the lack of coffee. (laughs) Hmm. That doesn't Hmm. seem to be bothering me. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Wow. And that was delicious. It, it looks delicious. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you want me to pour some into a cup for you? We can split it? Hey, we can split it? No. You want some? No, no, no. No, I, I want to give you some. I don't want your pity coffee. No, but I want to share it with you. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Are you sure? I, I'm sure. We we shouldn't do that with the mics on. That People will think we're not wearing masks. <laughs> I mean, you're five feet away. Not wearing masks, sharing coffee. <laughs>